0: It is so great to be with you today. Uh, My name is Manny and I'm coming to you all the way from Davidson, North Carolina. Just about 20 minutes down the road, not too far away, but it is an absolute pleasure and a privilege to be here with you today. Uh, I gotta tell you, I was excited to come to Central because you all are the OG, the OC, the original campus. And I've heard I've just heard from a couple of people that there's a little bit of a different type of a swagger here. And we'll see how that goes, but it is just such a blessing to be with you all tonight. And I'm excited about bringing God's word to you. So if you're ready, say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Awesome. Well, I got to tell you, um, my life over the last six months have felt like a country song. Uh, Why have they felt like a country song? Well, in the last six months, I got married. I got a dog, and we moved into a new house. So I was thinking, man, for me to have a number one hit in the country music industry, all I need to do is to get a truck and a Yeti cooler, and I think I'm well on my way. But in all seriousness, uh, this is a picture of my wife and I, Ashley. We got married six months ago. Uh, It's been a, a whirlwind of six months, but it's been an absolute blast she makes me better. She gives me the ability to be up here with you all today. Uh, I'm trying to score as many brownie points as possible right now, so I can keep talking about it. Um, but a little bit about me, I also had the opportunity to be a part of the teaching team. Uh, in addition to the teaching team, I had the opportunity to be a part of CMS. Check this out really quick. If you don't know, for the first time, and I don't know how long or if ever, Freedom House Church, a church church has partnered with a public school system to be able to bring leadership teachings with biblical principles intertwined to our teachings that we get to bring to so many different teachers, to so many different students, to so many different schools. And so it's so great to see the fruit of what we get to be a part of at Freedom House Church. And speaking of fruit, I just have to give honor where honor is due and talk about our senior pastors, Troy and Penny Maxwell to see the faithfulness that they have over the last years of building this church and to see what they give us the ability to do, to be a part of a culture and an environment, to be able to worship Jesus like never before. And so I'm just so grateful. Can we just thank God for having senior pastors like Troy and Penny Maxwell. It is a blessing to be a part of this church. So we've been in a series called Crop Circles. This summer has been a summer of all about miracles in motion. And we've heard some great messages over the course of this summer. Uh, just a snapshot, I, I heard a message from Pastor Troy, and what he said is, repetition creates our reputation. What we do over and over again is going to be uh, repeatedly what we do. Then we also heard a message from Olin Carter, and he said, what has been tested can be trusted. What has been tested can be trusted. And so as we continue this series, we've been encouraged to go out into the lobby in every location we have a white wall or a white board. And we've been encouraged to put prayers and miracles that we've been praying and hoping and wishing and just believing God for and circle those prayers. And I was reading that board a couple of weeks ago as I was preparing for this message. And one of the the prayers was a very simple prayer, but it said to have a safe flight to X destination. And that reminded me as we get into the message today, it reminded me when Ashley and I we were coming back from our honeymoon. We were flying back over the Pacific Ocean and we were in the airport getting ready to take off uh, from, this, from Hawaii actually. We were in the airport, our plane kept getting delayed due to weather. And we think, oh, not, a, not a big deal at all. It's not a big deal because we have three hours in LAX, we got plenty of time. Well it kept getting pushed back, it kept getting pushed back till we had about a 30 minute window but then we finally boarded. We get on the plane, the stewardess actually says, hey, you two, we have two exit row seats with extra leg room. Would you like it? Like, well, absolutely. That sounds great. We'll take the exit row. We sit down. The plane takes off. And about 20 minutes into the flight, we start experiencing a little bit of turbulence. And it wasn't a big deal for us. Both Ash and I, we fly a lot, so we were used to the turbulence. But then the turbulence got a little bit worse it kept getting a little bit heavier, and about 45 minutes into this flight, Ashley's looking at me and asking me, Manny, is, is this normal? I've never experienced anything like this before. The stewardess actually took their seats, they stopped serving drinks, they put their seatbelts on, and you know it's bad when they're sitting down. So, and a, as, the, as the man of the relationship, I said, yeah, it's normal, it's not a big deal. Um, stuff like this happens all the time. And at the time, I'm watching a movie. And I'm to this day, I have no idea what genre it was, no idea what title it was, because all I was thinking about is stop letting your legs shake because Ashley's gonna see how nervous you really are as well. I mean, we were just dropping. So the, the pilot finally comes over the intercom and he goes, well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry for this turbulence. It's the worst I've seen all season. So that's not very comforting. But I've convinced the FAA to let us go down a mile to see if we can get some smoother air. So we, di- we dipped down a mile, see if we got smoother air, and nothing. I mean, we are just rocking up and down and dropping. You're losing your stomach, and you're just praying that if I see feet again, I will serve you for the rest of my life. I swear. But it was bad. It was bad. The pilot comes on about 25, 30 minutes later. He goes, folks, I'm sorry to say we can't go any lower because we're the lowest we can go. We can't go any higher because we're too heavy. We're stuck here in the middle. So as we continue our series today, I want to talk to us about what do we do when we find ourselves in the middle? What do we do when we find ourselves in the middle of a storm? What do we do when we find ourselves in the middle of a mess? Have you ever felt like you've been in a situation? Have you ever felt like you were in your or over your Pacific Ocean in a storm to where you thought there was no way out? There's no way around it. You couldn't see past what was happening to you in that moment. You felt almost hopeless and trapped. See, I know that life is messy. But what I also know is that Jesus wants to meet us right in the middle of everything we have going on. I believe, and just because you may be going through something right now, please don't feel or think that you're weird or abnormal or no one else can relate with you. Because I believe we all fall into one of three categories. The first category is you're in the middle of a storm. The second category is you're just coming out of a storm. And the third category is you're heading towards a storm. Because life can hit and it can hit hard. But it's what do we do when life hits and how do we navigate through it all and still believe that Jesus can and is willing and able to do miracles in and through our lives. And so to help us paint this picture, we want to look at one of the most talked about individuals in the Bible. is the Apostle Paul. Now, Paul, if you've been around church for a while, you know who this guy is, you understand his story, but if you don't know who Paul is, he, he becomes one of the most well-known Christians in all of history. But how many of us know that Paul had a past? Paul had a past. I mean, this path, his past was so bad That he was known for the severe persecution of Christians. He was known to beat Christians, he was known to imprison Christians, and he was known to even allow the killing of Christians. I mean, this guy had a past. Look at Galatians chapter 1, verses 13. And it talks, just gives you a little glimpse of who Paul was before he met Jesus. It says, for you have heard my, of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. Paul's past was bad. See, he was mean. He was vicious. But Paul was doing his thing. He was on his way to persecute Christians. He was on the road to Damascus to go persecute Christians. And this is where he met Jesus in a real way. So how did Paul... With a past like his, how did he become, outside of Jesus, how did he become the second most well-known influential person in the early church? I believe we see throughout scripture pertaining to Paul is that Paul took action. That became the catalyst for his legacy. So we're going to look at three actions that Paul took today that became his legacy but but that could also help us navigate through our middle. So what's the first action? The first action that Paul took is Paul made his pursuit greater than his past. Paul made his pursuit greater than his past. See, Paul met Jesus in such a real way on the road to Damascus but God had also every reason that you could ever imagine not to use Paul. I mean, think about why would God use someone like Paul when he was known for killing his people, for sending them to prison, and for beating them. God had every reason, but here's the great thing. Even though Paul had that horrible past, Jesus still met Paul right in the middle of it all see we also see if you look at uh, Philippians chapter three verses 13 and 14, it reads, "Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken a hold of it, but one thing I do, listen to this, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in." Christ Jesus. I'm forgetting what is behind. Paul wrote that for us. See how easy it is, how easy it is for us to remember, you know, what we did 5 minutes ago. What we did last week. What we did a year ago. What happened to us 10 years ago. But we have to believe that no matter what is going on in our life right now, God is wanting and willing and able to meet us right here in the middle of it all, just like he met Paul on the road to Damascus. See, we see stories like this flooded throughout the Bible. We see stories like this flooded throughout history as well if you look at the majority of autobiographies how are they written the first half of every single autobiography or most autobiographies i should say are all about their trials tribulations temptations their troubles all the t words right flooded with all the bad stuff it's not until they get to the second half or the last few chapters of that book is when they find out what they're truly made of. Let's look at just real quick uh, Abraham Lincoln, for example. Most of us know who Abraham Lincoln was. He became one of the most well-known presidents in US history. But how many of us know President Lincoln also had a past, had a lot of failures? So many failures that most of us or some of us might think, man, why in the world would he continue on this path of pursuit? Let me just read a couple of things that happened to Abraham Lincoln from the year 1832 all the way to the time that he was elected the president in 1860. 1832, he lost his job and was defeated for state legislature. 1833, he failed in business. 1835, close death in his family. 1836, he had a nervous breakdown. 1838, he was defeated for speaker. 1854, defeated for U.S. Senate. 1856 defeated for nomination for U.S. vice president. 1858, defeated again for U.S. Senate. 1860, elected president. How easy would it have been for him to say, I'm going to pursue something different. How easy would it have been for Paul to say, man, I'm too messed up. Too much shame. Too much guilt. Why would God use a God... Why would God use a guy like me with my past? What, 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 can, what can I do? See, here's a question that I have for, for all of us is, why do we so often believe that God cannot use us because of our past when the reality of it is that we're still in the middle of our autobiography? Just as Paul met Jesus in a real way, Jesus wants to meet us in a real way, right exactly where we're at in this moment in time. See, some of us may, even tonight, may be thinking, man, I'm just not worthy of a miracle in my life. I know this series is all about miracles in motion, but but I'm just not worthy. With my past, what was done to me, what I did to others, I'm just not worthy. Can I encourage you with one thing? Is that you are one decision away, just like Paul was one decision away from a new destiny You are one decision, one choice away from a brand new destiny and a brand new you. Hey, Say this alongside of me so we can make this personal. I must make my pursuit greater than my past. Come on, one more time. I must make my pursuit greater than my past. So Paul made his pursuit greater than his past. The second action that Paul took is Paul found opportunity in the mess. Paul found opportunity right in the middle of his mess. See, I don't know if, it, if, if I'm, I'm just kind of weird, but when I read this story in the Bible about Paul, I thought, man, maybe Paul was thinking that when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus and he saw Jesus in such a real way that maybe he thought that his life would now be easy until he died. How many of us know that's far from the truth? See, maybe some of us think that, man, Jesus is in my life now, I'm going to experience no trouble, no pain, everything's going to be great, uh, this life is going to have no sorrows, no troubles, it's going to be awesome. But look what happens to Paul throughout the course of his life after he turns a life from persecution to pursuit. It says in the Bible throughout the course of Scripture, I don't, I can't, I don't have time to read it all tonight. But it says that Paul was put into prison at least four times. Now, this is not the nice prison. These are the nasty, rat-infested, wet, you were getting beaten, unbelievable circumstances, situation, prisons. He was put into prison at least four times, and he didn't even commit a crime. He was shipwrecked three times. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was shipwrecked at one time... I would probably consider a different mode of transportation. <laughs> if I was shipwrecked twice, I'd be like, there's no way you can pay me enough money in this world to step, step foot on another boat. But it says that he was shipwrecked three times all because he wanted to make Jesus known. And it even says in scripture that he was bitten by a poisonous snake. So Paul went through a lot. Paul didn't have an easy life. But he found opportunity in the middle of anything that, and everything that he was going through. He found opportunity in the middle of his mess. Look what he says in Philippians chapter 1, verses 19. It says, For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. What has happened to me shipwrecked. Imprisoned, beaten, flogged, no matter what has happened to me, it will turn out for my deliverance. See, Paul had a perspective knowing that in the middle of his mess, he could find Jesus, but also find an opportunity right in the middle of where he was. He goes on to say in Philippians chapter 4, verse 12, it says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content." In any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. See, Paul had a perspective. He knew that his mess gave him the ability to produce a miracle in his life. See, if you look throughout Scripture, think about this for a second. When Jesus was on this earth, most miracles that he performed was because someone was in the middle of a mess. He healed the blind. They were in the middle of a mess. He healed the sick, middle of a mess. Raised the dead, middle of a mess. A majority of miracles that Jesus performed was because someone was in the middle of a mess. So what do we need to do in our lives to find the opportunity in the middle of our mess? I remember this like it was... Yesterday, I was a freshman in high school, and my best friend was also a freshman in high school, and he had an older brother and a younger brother, and we were connected at the hip. I mean, we did everything together, both my best friend and his older brother. His older brother was a junior at the time. I was a freshman, and this guy, he loved the Lord, um, great guy, popular, was a, a star wrestler, and did a lot of things right. But one night he found himself at a party that had alcohol. And about 18, about, mm, about 12 hours later, he was fighting for his life in the hospital due to alcohol poisoning. And I mean, for me as a freshman in high school, a lot of questions came up for me. Questions like, if God is good, why evil? Or why, why this guy, Lord, he loves you, he knows you, why, why would you let him die? Like, what is going on? And for me, I think, I know that questions are normal. God isn't afraid of questions. And you can imagine with him passing, the devastation of his family. You could feel the pain in their chests as you went through that whole process of not having a lot of answers or not knowing what was going on. But what I love most about this family is that they found opportunity in the middle of their mess. Yes, they lost their son, which I can't imagine being the worst tragedy out there, ever imaginable. But what did they decide to do in that moment? After the grieving period of a a few months, what did they do? They decided to go around to schools all across North and South Carolina and give messages about the dangers of teen drinking. And we don't know the effect that that family has had on so many people around this earth because they decided to not look at their mess as just, oh, woe is me, but they said, I'm going to take action, and I'm going to make my mess and find an opportunity in the middle of my mess. So what is a mess? Maybe we have a mess going on in our lives right now. How can we begin to find an opportunity in the middle of our mess? Because we have to know that without the messes in our life, miracles wouldn't be necessary. Miracles wouldn't be necessary. So how can we find opportunity in the middle of our storm? How can we find opportunity in the middle of our mess? So Paul, horrible past, mean guy, ends up writing 13... Known books, at least 13 books of the New Testament out of 27. So Paul meets Jesus and turns from a life of persecution to pursuit. Paul finds opportunity in the middle of his mess. But the third action that Paul takes is Paul fixed his focus. Paul fixed his focus. How many of us remember? elementary school, going outside, and it was the day of magnifying glasses. And remember that? Yeah? When you went outside and the, the, the teacher said, all right, kids, we're going to play with magnifying glasses today, and you sit outside and you sit in a circle, and maybe the first time, I don't know about you, but for me, I held that magnifying glass and I quickly understood the power of focus. Because I shined the light, the sun Just right on this magnifying glass and it began to smoke on the grass and I got a little curious maybe some of us maybe found a little ant and held it on there for a little bit or if you were me you held it on a nonchalantly your buddy's knee to see what it did but it was the power of focus so we have to fix our focus Paul fixed his focus on Jesus. So Paul went through all of that. He had the worst of the worst situations, but Paul still found opportunity because he fixed his focus. Paul knew he had a part to play in all of this. Paul predetermined his response even before the outcome was known. Let me say that again. Paul predetermined his response even before the outcome was even known. Let's look at a time in the book of Acts where Paul was imprisoned. And I'm going to read you this scripture, but I also want you to put yourself in this situation as well. It's found in Acts chapter 16 verses 23 through 26. It reads, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Verse 25 reads About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, There was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. See, Paul fixed his focus on the Lord. He prayed and sang hymns. And even what they say is that at midnight, which is known to be the darkest time of the night, after Paul went through all that he went through, he was imprisoned, he was shackled, he was beaten, he was stripped, he was flogged. I don't know about you, but I would probably be thinking, God, what is going on right now? What is happening to me? There is so much coming against me right now. Are you really here with me? What is happening to me right now? But Paul predetermined his response. And even though he went through all of that, even before God loosened the chains and opened the doors of the prison, he started singing and praising and worshiping worshiping Jesus before anything ever happened. So how do we fix our focus on Jesus? What are some steps that we can take? I believe that we have to predetermine our response. But I also believe that if Jesus or God did not open those doors to the prison, I still believe that Paul would be worshiping and singing no matter the outcome. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. It says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. See, Paul had a heavenly perspective. He knew that life on earth wasn't going to be easy. He also knew that he was here to build God's kingdom and not the other way around thinking that God was here to build Paul's kingdom. He considered it pure joy for his troubles because he knew that his beating, he knew that his imprisonment, he knew that his shipwreck was all for the glory of God. So what has our focus. I believe we live in a world today that tears us away from focus every single two seconds. All the TV ads, the constant scrolling of social media, constantly something always going on, pulling our focus away from what we need to focus in on and that is Jesus. Because what I know is that if, if our marriage is in ruins right now, we have to fix our focus. If, if we are in financial instability, we have to fix our focus. If we have anxiety, we have to fix our focus. If we have depression, we have to fix our focus. It's because the one who created us, the greatest miracle that ever was, if it's true, and we have so much evidence that we believe it's true, that if God created the earth from nothing, he has to be the ability to meet us right where we're at. In the middle of anything that we're going through, if we make a decision to predetermine our response of praise, he can meet us right in the middle of it all. So we have to make our pursuit greater than our past. How do we find opportunity in the middle of our mess? And how do I begin to fix my focus? Like Paul fixed his focus and predetermined my response, not even knowing the outcome. Because we have an earthly perspective. We don't know all that God knows. But one thing he wants all of us to know tonight is that he loves us. He wants us to believe for miracles in our lives. He's not asking for a resume. He's not telling you to go clean up your life and come back to me in the next four months. He wants to meet us right in the middle of where we're at. Will you stand with me? I don't wanna leave here tonight without giving some of us the opportunity to have Jesus meet us right in the middle of where we are. Some of us may be going through messes right now and storms where we literally feel like we have nowhere to go. We would have no idea what to do. I don't know where to turn to. But I wanna invite you to take an action. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Maybe your focus has been in so many other places and you've heard about Jesus, but you've never really fixed your focus on who he is. But I'm telling you right now, he loves you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to meet you right where you are. And if that is you and you're saying, Manny, I feel that in my spirit right now that Jesus is calling me into relationship with him. I want you to do me a favor and take a small step of faith and take an action. Just as we saw Paul take action throughout his life that led to a great legacy for Jesus. Take an action tonight by raising your hand to accept Jesus. So on the count of three, if you are to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I just want you to raise your hand with me. One, two, three. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Church, I wanna say this prayer. And for the benefit of those who are saying it for the very first time, let's all say it together. Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner sinner. in need of a Savior. I I believe you died died. and rose again. again. I invite you into my heart, heart, and I invite you into my life. I choose choose to trust. I choose to love you. you. Thank you you. for for everything you are doing in my life. Today tomorrow and forever I choose you with your head still bowed and eyes still closed I just want to take a moment and pray for the ones that are in the middle of a mess maybe you find yourself in a storm right now that again you might not know where in the world to turn maybe you know Jesus but your focus has been so off But you know you have to make a commitment tonight to fix your focus on Jesus. If you would just raise your hand if that's you. I just want to say a quick prayer for you. Thank you. Yes. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for the hands that you saw were raised right now, Father. We pray for strength in this moment. Even though we may not know the outcome, Father, we predetermine our response to you, Father, knowing that you are a good God, that you created everything here, and that you are able to do a measure more in and through our lives, Father. Thank you for sending us here tonight to be able to worship you. Father, give us strength in this week. Give us strength throughout our lives, Father, that we may be able to come to know you more. And right now, we make a commitment to fix our focus on you. No matter how much the storm hits, no matter how big the waves are, we still look to you, Jesus, because you are the maker of it all. Thank you for tonight. Thank you for these people, for everything that we get to do for your glory, Father. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.